The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Saturday, 16th of May. The Fujicast. Welcome to the Fujicast, the daily Fujicast. While we're all still indoors for a little while longer, I'm, I'm sure. Some people a little bit freer than others now. Um, it's a show about Fujifilm cameras, yes, but it's also a brand agnostic show where we just talk about photography and you and your relationship with it and take your questions and answer your questions. Hi, Kev, how are you? I'm okay, thank you well, very much. Welcome to a weekend, that you know. but as we always say, Saturday is the new Monday, is the new Tuesday, is the new Wednesday these days. <laughs> I still have no idea what day of the week it is. No idea. So mostly I don't have a clue what time of the day it is either. Are you, as usual, sitting there in your, in your underwear just looking out the window? <laughs> no, no underwear today. No, God, no. We don't need that. <laughs> um, I just must quickly mention that uh, we're recording another Ask, well, the second Ask Andreas on Thursday. Andreas Georgiadis uh, uh, is, of course, the marketing manager for Fujifilm UK, but he did say that he would answer questions that are non-UK related. He can't obviously be that specific about uh, how they deal with the, the ex-photographer scheme, etc., and, and the repair scheme in, in, in some regions. Of course he can't. But he, he does have a pretty good grasp on stuff like that, doesn't he? Um, oh, yeah. Andreas. Andreas is, I think he's, he's you know, he's like, I'm going to whisper, he, he's proper high up. Is he proper high up? Yeah, I think so. Is he about? Is he that high, or is he, or is it? Hold think, on. Or is he? Or is he this high? Put it this way, I think he's the one that sends the Christmas cards at Christmas right. rather than receives them. Well, that would be the other way round. No, no, no. The bosses send. No, I thought if you're the boss, you, you you're usually used to receiving them. Bring to me. No, 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 no. no. Okay, all right. Well, Dear we, world, we, lots of love, Andreas and the rest of Fujifilm. Merry Christmas. Well, we've got Andreas on the... Well, could, could indeed... Is it Christmas? Did you say Christmas? It's are Easter, we, isn't it? Are we there already? <laughs> oh, um, well, but it, got, it's probably the Queen's birthday, though. Well, every day's a Queen's birthday, isn't it? She has so <laughs> many birthdays. We do love her, but she does have a lot of birthdays. Yeah. Uh, Andreas is on the show. Well, we, we're going to record him on Thursday, uh, and I'm not quite sure when that interview will go out, but... Uh, the whole purpose of mentioning that is uh, the the last time we did an Ask Andreas was right at the start of the lock-in, uh, and we kind of we, we leapt into the show. And really, uh, our uh, Australian friends and New Zealand friends and uh, and American friends didn't get a, a, a mammoth chance to join in with that one. So fifty nine days ago, fifty nine days ago, can you believe it? Well, no, it's amazing. Fifty nine days. Mm. So uh, if you get your questions in, click at fujicast.co.uk please click at fujicast.co.uk if you are a member of the fujicast facebook group then you can also join in there as you will see i'll put that in the we've mentioned it pile um today's special guest is russell or should we should we tackle a a question or two first before we hear from russell though yeah, uh, let's do one. Peter Beppe, a new listener to the show and first-time question. Thank you for the dailies. Chaps, you're almost as prolific as Joe Rogan, but, <laughs> though with a lot less strange stuff being smoked in the studio, it would seem. You know, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you had a lot less money. <laughs> the, the worst thing that... Hang on a minute. We're just about to be invaded. You know, every day we record this podcast at the same time and every day somebody comes and invades us. Hello. What do you want? Peace, please, Louise. Oh. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Don't call me Hello. Louise. Hello, Sam. Right. Uh, where were we? He ignored me. Oh, no. Uh, oh, she's gone away now. Yeah, I've got my headphones on very tight, so she couldn't hear oh, you. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, a lot less stuff being smoked in the studio than, than Joe Rogan. Although I, I doubt, because he's on video for most of his, he does his show without any underwear on. 
Um, yeah. I'm, I'm a massive fan of black and white and tried in the portrait business to draw people in with special offers, but it just doesn't seem to be working. Do you think for many people it's a case of loving the look, but in the, the reality not really wanting them? There's a love but not a want, it would seem, commercially. Or is it that I just haven't found brave enough clients yet? Well, well, this is a, this is a, this could mm. be a long answer, couldn't it? <laughs> yeah, really. it could be. I thought we might get a chance for two questions before Russell Ord comes on, but I think <laughs> let's just deal with this one today, and then tomorrow we're back to the normal questions in the show. Well, I would say, and, and this is only my thought on it, that you can go like proper high end, proper proper high end, yeah. like Bailey and everybody else that's proper high end yeah and people will want you because it's you and of course you'd be a very good photographer too and you can photograph however you want however if you're like bang in the middle of the middle market or lower end of the market the discounts the people who are looking for discounts at that point are basically just looking for discounts and so they're mm. going to go to the cheapest person regardless so if you're doing something specialist niche like perhaps black and white gritty portraits my personal opinion is you have to probably price yourself out of the market until you become that person. And I'm not saying we're all going to become David Bailey or anything like that, but I think that's how specialist it becomes because there's so many people doing portraits and family shots and everything. You you absolutely need to be slightly different in some respects, whether that's based on your editing style, the photography style, pricing style, the, the, you know, the clothes that you wear, whatever. People want to be aspirational to, play, to pay aspirational prices. Discounts, discounts regardless how they look, will, will always lead you to earn less money. Now, both of us have tried to discount some of our black and white packages in the past, and it's failed for both of us, hasn't it? It would be fair to say. It certainly did for me. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I agree totally. They aren't the right clients. No, not really. No. And it, it's it's tough because, you know, I, I like to think this whole idea of black and white is, is you know, is slightly different. It's not your average grip and grin, stare at the camera and smile. It's it's going to be something different. But people, you know, when they when you start throwing the words like discounts and, you know, mm. what you're going to get for your hundred quid and all that kind of stuff. It's the people right. that are attracted to that kind of language are the people who are going to be going for the cheapest prices. Yeah, absolutely. Typically, absolutely. not always, but typically. <laughs> Um, so, you, so need, I, you know, I, I'd be like, no, nope, I'm five thousand pounds for one picture. Yeah, now, now, funnily enough, that is, I mean, it's a, it's a different, um, it's, it's, it's color now, but he created himself um, this, um, uh, this desire, this, this um, desire from his clients. It was Peter Lick, the fantastic landscape photographer? I mean, he created a business around making prints unavailable and having limited edition. And, and I suppose, to a certain extent, it was the emperor's new clothes. Well, that's right. And actually, the thing is, if you become, and I'll say this in, in air quotes for our American friends, inverted commas for our European friends, and fingers in the air for our Antipodean friends, <laughs> if you become the best at what you do, then people will pay for it. Mm. And if you're not, or you, you, you appear to not be, and by that I mean you need to have your, the belief in yourself, yeah. then people won't pay for it. And certainly if you start using language such as discounts and benefits and free and all that kind of stuff, I just don't think it will work yeah, right now yeah, because there's a billion, a billion, I mean a billion people in Malmesbury alone that are taking pictures of other people. Yeah. A billion, at least a billion. Uh, 
maybe more maybe like six billion so only five and a half people live in your village yeah but there's a billion <laughs> photographers that have just come to take pictures of those five people all right lance fuller i do need to get another question in because this one relates to russell uh lance fuller in new jersey i'm hoping this will be read out when you play about the russell Ord interview because uh, i'm a big fan of his work uh, having been introduced a year back how do you think it's possible some photographers are able to make their passion a reality for photographically for, for many who dream of shooting their passion projects or hobbies, the fact it doesn't happen very easily or not even at all exists. Uh, and uh, why is that? Um, but he's right. Um, again, we're looking at much smaller pools where you can actually create work. I mean, Russell Ord, who you're just about to hear in a moment, he does, uh, he does point out during the interview that there aren't many uh, photographers that are you know, really very, very good surfers that can get out there amongst the waves to do what he does so he does mm. fit into a niche of a niche doesn't he mm. yeah absolutely first rule of marketing it's better to be first than it is to yeah. be better isn't it yeah. if you're the only person that can get in that board and swim out there and you've got gfx and it's in a glass cage and it's not going to get eaten by sharks and you're not scared of the sharks <laughs> boom he's, he's only going to be the only person doing it so well, russell's going to talk about the sharks in a moment. but what about other other stuff you know when you find what about our french friend um I, I, you've only recently introduced me to him and i know he's a, a fuji x photographer vincent you want about vincent yes yeah vincent baldersburger yes he is incredible I must put the link in because his work is just outstanding but that's yeah. a niche isn't it that's a niche very much a niche market. It goes back to the black and white as well. Yeah, absolutely. It is a niche market. But you know what you have to remember? And, of course, I don't know. Whilst I, I know Vincent's a friend of mine from the Cargate Collective and he's a fellow Fuji Film photographer, I believe. Mm. I don't never met him, so I don't know about his personal life or anything. But history, the history of uh, photography, the business of photography is littered with people who are adulated by other photographers but actually they have a day job selling coffee or flipping burgers in mcdonald's because they can't make money from it and so you have to be very very careful that your ambition for this new thing that you really really have a passion for and you if you want to make money from it you have to think about business first it's not just a case of i'm good at this which of course everybody will be and i'm going to make money from it because if it's too niche, people won't need necessarily need to buy it. And so you have to be the, the more niche, the, the, the more niche it is, the, niche-er-er-er. <laughs> the better you need to be at it. Yeah, Otherwise, absolutely. you're going to just sink to the bottom a little bit. And that, that sounds quite depressing, but mm. it's the fact. Well, we shouldn't really be talking about sinking to the bottom when we we're just about to introduce Russell Lord's work. You've, I mean, you, you're a, you're <laughs> now, funnily enough, I know I knew you were going to mention the sharks. And I couldn't get away without mentioning the sharks to him as well. You will hear his response to sharks. If, if We're going to need a bigger camera. Well, I, th- I think it's fair to say that Russell is the kind of guy that will bop him on the nose. He is. You're, well, you'll hear. You'll hear what he has to say about swimming amongst the sharks. Oi, Bruce. <laughs> but anyway, let me introduce you to Russell Ord. He is an incredible uh, photographer. He's a Fujifilm ex-photographer. He makes these outstanding pictures of of um of surfers and surfing and the life around the surfers and the surfing um and uh, it was a, a great pleasure to talk to him a, a couple of weeks ago this is russell Ord. russell when we were first scheduled to to talk to each other i think i'm right in saying that the ocean called you is that what it's like in your life if you see some good surf or hear some good surf you're gone. Yeah, well, it was like that for a number of years, especially at the start. I'd just chase any swell. 
but um, lately I've just been doing personal projects. But, yeah, it was just unlucky. It's the first kind of swell I've chased down the coast for uh, a long time and it just happened to be on, you know, having a good day when we were meant to hook up. But I thought that sounded fantastic. I thought that that's the life I would like. Get a phone call, somebody says, Neil, there's a swell, go for it. Everything else is on hold. Um, but I guess that's a surfer's life, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is, especially the, the top-level surfers. You know, they're, they're chasing swells all over the the world so well they were before we we're all on lockdown so um yeah they see a big swell they could be living in hawaii and then they're in fiji the next day it's, it's exciting you know your life changes pretty quick i'm glad we caught you because the next thing you're about to do or you were planning to do i'm, I'm not sure because the lockdown's changing slightly in australia isn't it that you were planning to go off grid for a while yeah no off grid just means i'll be out of contact of you know There'd be no phone range or internet or anything like that. And that's just down the coast. Ten hours drive and a few hours along the beach and then you just you're out on your own and it's pretty good. You get a lot of thinking time and, and hopefully score a few good photos along the way. But you know, I'd probably try to do that once or twice a year just to sort of regroup and yeah, I you, when you've got no distractions, you get a lot of thinking time. So that's where I normally go, Okay, let's do this next or let's do that and go from there. So let's learn a bit a bit about you as a as a person. You were a rugby league player and a firefighter before all this. Are you still a firefighter? Because I know in in Australia there's a huge voluntary force which has been really essential over the last, well, particularly year with all the the terrible fires. Are you still doing any firefighting at all? No, no. I quit the fire brigade about five years ago. So um, it's just full-time photography at the moment. But it was a hard decision to quit because I love the job. It was just I only quit because... I had to pick between full-time photography, family, and the fire brigade, and one of them had to go. It obviously wasn't the family. And so I just decided to go with the um, photography because, you know, I'd I'd done the fire brigade for 19 years, and just seeing a lot of things on the job kind of made me change the way I look at my own life. So, um, yeah, went down the photography road. Were, Were you part of that massive, great voluntary force that the Australians have? No, I was, a, I was a permanent full-time fireman. I mean, they've got a lot of great volunteers and, um, you know, you would have seen that with all the fires we had on the East Coast. I'm actually on the West Coast, so we avoided all that. So I'm talking to you in Margaret River, which is a, which is a place I'm, I'm not familiar with. I now know it's in Western Australia. That, that's about all I know. Tell me a bit about where you're based, what it's like, because you're not far from the coast here, are you? No, I'm right on the coast. It's about three hours south of Perth, Perth's a major city, um, and we're right on the bottom southwest corner and it's just a i wouldn't say it's a sleepy town it's quite touristy it's uh big on the the wines and um it's just a lovely spot and it's renowned for its surf and basically that's why i moved down and had all the kids down here and we've been here for about 20 years i spoke to a football uh, photographer recently who started because he'd injured himself he started photography because he'd injured himself playing and your your story is not too dissimilar, isn't it? Because you you had an injury, didn't you? And you stopped surfing and started photographing. Yeah, exactly the same, exactly like that. I just did my knee surfing instead of sitting on the couch for a few months. I just picked up a well, I borrowed a mate's uh, camera, well, his dad's camera, and just started shooting. That was back in the film days, and <laughs> I got a lot of black and white squares back. To, you know, overexposed or underexposed. So it was a good learning curve. And then I didn't really, I, actually, I didn't really fall in love with it then. It's just when I managed to get a borrow water housing and then get in the water, that's when I kind of fell in love with, with the feeling of photography just because, you know, you're out there on your own, you can swim out at any time and it's peaceful. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned the kit. I know it's something that 
I've read articles that you said you're not really interested in, in kit, but I'm going to tackle this one from the outset, get this one done, um, because I, I'm fascinated to know how you protect equipment. I know you've got housings, but look, you've got, you've got the surf, you've got the battering of the surf, you've got the, uh, the sand. I mean, these are, these are the sort of environments that you w- wouldn't want to take a camera into, and you take them into all of them. How do you look after your kit? Well, the surf is not too bad. If you're shooting from shore, you're normally shooting in pretty good conditions. Um, not like if, you, if you're starting to shoot windsurfing and kite surfing, you, your gear can get super hammered. You just sort of cover it with a rain shield. Uh, in the water, I use like uh, Aquatec water housing and been using those for about 10 to 15 years and basically just keeps it dry, which is the main thing. And they're designed to be in the surf. They're not, they're not dive housings where they're designed to go at a depth and they're quite heavy. These are more like sports housing, so they can take a bit of a battering. You wouldn't want to hit them directly on the reef or anything, but it's, um, I've never had a problem with them. They've been pretty good. Like they, they started off really simple. You know, you could change one or two settings, but you can basically change anything in your camera these days. Are they, they're made specific for the brand of camera? Because you're a Fujifilm shooter, I know. Are they made specifically for the brand of camera? Because all your buttons, of course, are being in different places. Yeah, every brand's got a different type of house. Well, the, the housing's quite similar, but it's just where the back plate sits, all the, all the buttons... Uh, the only, I mean, the only complaint I'd have in the whole thing would be um, the battery power. But if you just sort of shoot like you used to do on film, you get two or three hours in the water, which is um, perfect for me now because it sort of gives you that, um, like you could push it too far. And you know, some places where I swim is difficult to get in. It's nice to have a little bit of buffer. Obviously, you, you have a look how your exposure is going, and then basically that's it. And you're not sort of looking at shots. I set the camera up to turn off after like 15 seconds. So if I'm about to shoot and a wave's coming, I can just press the trigger. It activates the camera. I start shooting. And then within about 15 seconds, the camera goes off and, until I decide to shoot again. So, I mean, I could make it last for five hours if I want. Yeah. It, just, it just depends on how much hookups I have. Because normally I'm shooting wide, so you're, you're in the impact zone. So you're not always... You're not shooting every moment because you're out of place quite often. But um, if you're out of, out of reef break and it's all breaking in the same spot, you can you can go through the battery. But I mean, go in, have a feed, regroup, and come back out and shoot. So it's just it's just how you use the camera. You say you shoot wide. So what are you using? A ten twenty four or eighteen fifty five? What what what's the lens that you're going to take out with you? I use the ten to twenty four, and I'll probably tape the lens up at ten mil a lot of the times especially use that when it's um like in tahiti um in some clear water and i also got a little um eight mil fish eye a samyang fish eye which i um and that allows me to put it in a, a smaller dome and i'll use that when it's a lot bigger because the lens is a little bit lighter and that really sucks out that 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 makes it such a dramatic scene doesn't it i love that when you're looking is it the funnel I'm, I'm trying to get the right language here but when you're looking through the funnel is that the fisheye moment well it's like looking through the tube or the tunnel the funnel will work for sure funnel tunnel Do you see, I'm not that, <laughs> yeah it, it's more having the experience of surfing it's like when you're in the ocean you want to experience like I'm a surfer. Like I prefer to surf than shoot. So um, I want that experience of the feeling of the ocean, and that means getting hold downs, wipeouts, and stuff like that. I mean, if I, you could easily sit in the channel and just keep shooting, you know, on a, on a longer lens. But it's more. Sometimes it's not creative because you because you, you're doing the same thing. It's creative when you get into certain positions, and um, and that's kind of what I like like doing. And I love just being shooting super wide, and 
experience what the ocean puts up. You're really respected now as one of the, the top surf photographers, and that's something that doesn't just happen overnight. I mean, there's magazine covers. You've been featured in a film, which we'll talk about. When, when did you notice it starting to come together that you thought, hang on a minute, Russell, this, the people are starting to notice what I'm doing? I didn't really take too much notice of other people. It was more, I would have shot for five years before I sent a shot into the magazine that I was happy with. And um, and once I got a reply to say they were going to print that, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, I'm finally getting in a mag and it's the first shot I've ever sent in. But I did do a, you know, a long trade and I knew what surfing shots, good surfing shots look like. It just changed so much. You know, I was kind of towards the end of the film days and then the digital days. And then I think basically when I realised that for years I was just going to capture moments and then I decided to incorporate more than what the camera can do. It's more like the ocean skills. And once I started doing that, I started getting different angles and different sort of shots. And you can sort of, you know, separate yourself a little bit because there's not that many people who, I mean, there's a few that can do it, but um, there's not heaps. Like anybody can stand on the beach and take a shot, yeah. but swimming in waves of consequence, there's probably, you know, there's there's a good handful. Well, there's probably more than a handful these days, but that's where the challenges lie. And I think that's when, you know, people started, you know, you started to get a lot more shots run in magazines and then obviously the, the social media thing kicked off and you're working working for quite big companies and then they're sharing your work. So that all helps. The patience thing is really important, isn't it? And you, you mentioned there that you, you don't prolifically shoot, you take your time, you wait for the right moment. Uh, and there was a wonderful quote of yours. My whole life seems to revolve around getting one great shot a year. Is, is that something you truly live by that it's 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 not about the quantity yeah it's definitely about the the quality of your work like i i can look at most of my work and most of them are just moments in time but you, you'll get that one or two shots a year where it's just an amazing shot you you know what the photographer well i know what i've personally gone through to get the shot so it's it's more than just pressing the trigger on the camera and being in the right place at the right time there's a lot that goes into it like you know i might have done six months of breath hold training just to you know, be comfortable to be in that position to take the shot. And I see it in other people's work as well. And I like, I'd like other people to see how I see photography. It's kind of like, you know, you might see a mountain climbing photo and just picture what that photographer went through to get that moment. You know, there'd, there'd be seven or eight years of climbing experience mm. just to be in that position. And, um, you know, they're the kind of shots you can't compare when someone's taken it with a drone, you know, nothing against drone photography. I've got one myself, but or, or from, you know, the bottom of the cliff because, you know, this photographer has probably climbed up the mountain the night before and then camped on the side of the mountain and then took the shot. I mean, I could never do that. And that's when, when I see shots like that, that's what kind of blows me away. You mentioned the, the fitness and the breath holding and you can do it for four minutes. And I, I've been doing some breath hold training. I can get nowhere near your four minutes, two and a half max. But if you're in the surf and you're being held down, that's hardly static or relaxed breathing. How, how do you prepare yourself for, for being pinned by the ocean? And that's not even long compared to what, uh, you know, a lot of the world champs are doing or a lot of people are doing. But um, it's mainly just being comfortable in the situation and, and building up to the, the situation. Like people don't take into account the, the background or the 25, 30 years of surfing experience. It's, mm. it's like if you start surfing, you don't start 
surfing at 20 foot you know you start at one foot as a kid or two foot and your dad's pushing you in and then you build up you know i surf pretty solid waves here at home and i'm really comfortable in big waves yeah and but i still have my limit you know i'm not going out and doing what some of the pros are doing out at jaws and stuff like that because i'm not ready for it you know i'd need a lot more training and obviously i'd need a lot more skill but it's um it's just getting used to the ocean and i think that's the a lot of difference between other forms of photography you know it's you know yourself you you can spend you know half an hour on youtube or whatever and you can figure out all these things on your camera and these different you can't do that with the ocean you need to get in there and you need to spend time and you need to spend a lot of time and you actually don't think twice about swimming out 15k offshore in the southern ocean you're swimming in some of the heaviest waves you can find and there's you saying you don't you don't take risks i mean that what do the family think of, of that? Because you're putting yourself, I mean, 15k off offshore, never mind the sharks, which I'm sure everybody who's, who's a non-Australian would say, what about the sharks, Russell? But 15k is a long t- a long way to go off coast, isn't it? It is, but you're not swimming all the way. You're, you know, taking a jet ski and you're, you're thinking of the safety as well. You know, there'll be two jet skis. You'll have someone on safety. You might even have a, a like a shark bands or a shark shield and and things like that so you're taking a lot into account because you can't just go and do it on your own and um something happens because then you will die you know you, you 15 k's offshore and your ski breaks down or something there's no way i'm probably getting in it goes back to um preparation you know it's like you prepare for that and um yeah it, it sounds crazy but you, you it's crazy if you just do it on your own without thinking without taking um precautions and stuff so you know I'll wear a helmet, I'm you know, wearing a safety vest and I don't really think about the shark thing too much because it's just the way it is. I mean, it gets blown up or out of proportion a little bit. Obviously, we've had um, shark attacks over here, but in reality, as a fireman, I was going to car accidents every second week where someone was passing away. That's what it felt like. Mm. And, you know, people still get in their car and, and drive to the shop. You know, they don't have two thoughts of it. but. Yeah. They go down the ocean and they freak out because they're going to go in the ocean and get eaten by sharks. It's just the media. They kind of blow it up a little bit more than it is. It'd be pretty rare, you know. And in the end, if you're getting taken by a shark, it's probably not a bad way to go. Well, that, that, I won't take that as a quote, but tell, tell me about One Shot, the, docu- <laughs> the, the documentary about you. Uh, whose, whose idea was that? It's a great film, by the way, but whose idea was it? Oh, it was more Darren's, the, the filmmaker's idea. He... Um, I met him on the beach when I was doing some work and he'd only just finished work in the mines and he picked up a camera and he start, he just kind of said to me, oh, look, what have you got going? And I said, look, I'm just changing the way I'm shooting at the moment. I'm kind of sick of the way I'm doing things and, and this is kind of one of my goals. And he goes, oh, I'd like just to do a little two-minute clip. And then it just blew out of proportion. <laughs> it went from a two-minute clip and then someone else saw it and then then all of a sudden we're getting funding for it and it became like this half an hour documentary on the ABC over here. So it really just blew out of proportion. But Darren did an amazing job. He's gone on. He's really gone on. He's doing incredible work. He's, he's just done a few um, Fuji films as well. He's just one of those guys, everything's like 110%. You know, sometimes it's difficult for me because I'm a bit blasé. I'm not doing that again. And it would have drove him mad, but... He, um, yeah, he did a fantastic job. I know you're going to say, no, I'm not, Neil, but it kind of made you a, a celeb in your community, didn't it, really, in, in the surf culture? Oh, not not really. Oh, I don't think of it like that. You know, in the end, all life, it just feels like I'm just taking photos. You know, it's, 
I say to people, it's not like I'm curing cancer or anything. It's just I'm taking a shot. I'm not even making a huge amount of difference where I should be like. So I kind of just blow it off a little bit and, and kind of let people know that really is it just it's really just press, pressing the trigger on a camera and, um, you know, it's not changing people's lives or anything like that. Obviously, I love doing it and I'd like my photos to be able to make change. But um, at the moment, it's just just ticking over the bills and, and working as hard as I can. Let's talk about the personalities in surf culture, because I know you like the lifestyle work as well. And there's some great characters in surfing and um, some of the portraits you've got. And it's not not all young surfer dudes either. These are people that have been doing it for years and love it. What, what does it feel like when you're amongst your people and making those pictures? Oh, that's that's the best part. I mean, I went for my first swim the other day at home just here at Main Break, and I've been working on a community um, portrait series and just loving it. It's the it's the people. It, you know, a lot of people see the pros and all that, but it, you know, so many people's lives revolve around the ocean down here. You know, there's the carpet layer, there's the you know the builders, the electricians, and you know, they'll look at swells and they'll put off jobs so they can um, surf early. And you've got this real sense of community. Like I'm like the early morning crew surfer and it's basically, you know, you've got the doctors out there and you've got a whole different range of people. Yeah. And so it's good to be home and, and, and surfing with all the, I call them the old boys. And <laughs> everyone's got a story and I love it. And this, you know, the characters and the culture, it's, it's, it's really is really good. I, I know you run your workshops, Russell. What sort of people go in your workshops? Oh, we've had a range. When I'm, I've done a couple of private ones where there's only three of us and we go up north and there's been a range of crew, people that just want to surf and um, and get the occasional shot to someone that just brings a film camera. And um, But then I run a couple with Warren Keelan um, and then we can do bigger groups and they're a lot more weekenders and they, they really do range. You know, we had a guy from Texas come to our last one. He was wow. just classic. But, he, you know, he shot at four Olympic Games. He just wanted to learn how to shoot more in the water. And, uh, you know, he was a classic guy. But, yeah, it certainly ranges. You, you'd think you're only going to get young 19 to 25-year-old males and females. That, But, oh, you know, you've got 60-year-old women and mm. it's super cool. You know, you know, we're not pushing them out into, you know, 20-foot waves. We're just having a ball and showing what the camera can do. And, and it's more about the – having fun and you know sometimes you know people i think oh people are not going to come because they think we're going to go and swim in like crazy surf but it's it's more just the um the lifestyle and and shooting art i mean warren shoots beautiful empty waves so he's he's such a good teacher so i just kind of feed off him (laughs) really he's really good at what he does and um and it's really taught me as well like just start enjoying it again that's what i get from it in the end I've been talking to photographers of late about the importance of, of print and fine art. And you've, you mentioned the fine art there with Warren, and, and you sell your works. Is, is that an important side of, of your living and what you do? It's hit and miss. I don't really market myself that well, but I had, I, you know, I'm working on like a lot of personal work and personal series and um, trying to change up the way I shoot. So it sort of pushes me more so, and... I do love just going out. It's like that the trip I was, we were talking about before, you know, going down for a week and, and just creating and seeing what you come up with. And, um, yeah, and it's always nice to see you work in print. So Margaret River is where you are at the moment. You, you've mentioned other parts of the world. I've no idea where Jaws is, but, but you're, you're undoubtedly going to tell me now. If you could choose anywhere to live, you, you mentioned New Zealand as well, but if you could choose anywhere to live, is Margaret River the place? 
Yeah, yeah. For me, Margaret River's the place. Like, to live and have a home base is definitely here, but um, I do like to get on the road a lot. So, but, you know, every time you come back to Margaret River, we were actually just talking about this last night at a mate's 60th of all things. You, you just you drive into town and at the start of town there's you know we used to have all these old trees and you just feel like you're home yeah. it's um it, it is it's a special place and you know a lot of people have their special place it's just margs is mine but you know i'm happy to go and travel and for months on end but as long as i can come home here i'm, I'm pretty stoked just finally everybody has a signature image i know i've got a signature image that that i think defines the way that i shoot do you have a favorite is there an image that says this is me this is what I film, this is what I produce when I'm at my, my happiest. Yeah, it's it's all the, the wide stuff in heavy surf, like we, we discussed before. It's stuff where they, you know, it says to me effort. You know, I see effort in the shot. I see the story behind the image. And I've probably got, yeah, like you said, a, a small handful. It's, it's definitely the wide angle images where, you've gone through a lot to get it, you know, and that could be after you've taken the shot too where you get a decent hold down or something like that. But, you know, I see maybe a handful of those images a year, like I'm talking surf photography now, and I'll, re- I'll be I'll be like, shit, I wish I had that in my um, portfolio. And I'll, I'll just I'll email or make contact with a photographer and just like, congrats, like it's one of the best images I've ever seen. So, yeah, those type of images. My thanks to Russell Ord for his time talking to us on the show. Back tomorrow for, for Sunday service, Kev. Will you wear your dog collar for us? I will, indeed. I'll sing you a hymn if you want. <laughs> Maybe that's not so necessary. Oh, by the way, is the stuff still working in the church? You you gave them, uh, uh, just across just across Rord, you gave them a full setup, didn't you? So they could so they could beam their Sunday service to the world. Still going, yeah. Yeah, it's still going. I, I, I gave them my Aperture Light mm. right at the beginning, which has a lifespan of, I think, something like two and a half thousand hours yeah. in total. Yeah. I suspect it might not have much life left in it when I get it. Oh, tell me they didn't leave it on. Well, I don't know, probably. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Well, they do things like, oh, without getting technical, they do things like exposition and stuff, so oh. people can log on and just look. So I suspect my light has been burning brightly. <laughs> okay. All right, well, well, we'll chat to you tomorrow, Kev. Have a nice evening. Bye. Bye. The FujiCast is an independent Loading Zone production. Goodbye, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. We're back tomorrow with another show. Well, unless we're fired, we'll talk to you then. Goodbye, sweetheart. Goodbye. Goodbye.